With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Newt News. I'm here with just Andrew. We're two men in it today. Um, we're going to be covering a little bit about what's been going on lately with the Cardinals. Um, two really important things happened last week. Mason Wynn, our top prospect, debuted uh, to much fanfare. It was a very exciting debut. And then also Drew Rahm pitched, I believe it was yesterday. And while the results weren't fantastic, we're still going to dig into all those uh, coming up. So the first thing to cover, obviously the most important thing that happened to the Cardinals, Mason Wynn made his debut. Um, you know, it was it was awesome to see him. Uh, in front of the St. Louis faithful. And he impressed right away, in my opinion. I mean, he had that infield single that he legged out, um, but it was really his arm on display. He threw 97 across the diamond, uh, which is instantly one of the five best throws this season by any infielder. We know Mason Wynn has probably the strongest arm of any infielder in the league now that he's up. Uh, so, Andrew, what really stood out to you about his debut? Um, yeah, he did get his first uh, base hit, a little uh, ground ball to uh, third base that Pete Alonso probably threw into the stands. Anyway, um, a lot of, lot of uh, we'll talk about that in a minute here. <laughs> yeah, uh, but I think the defense and speed has is, is primarily been what's impressed me the most. I think the hits will come. Um, he yeah. A lot of the uh, guys who have come up from Memphis this year haven't necessarily had their hit tools translate as quickly. Luke and Baker is an example of yes. a guy who looks completely lost at the plate despite hitting like what is it like 35 home runs in the minors this year he's hit a lot um so i mean i'm not too worried about that um his bat hasn't looked as powerful as it did in memphis i don't think he has an extra base hit yet i think only one of his hits um actually left left the infield yeah Um, yeah, he he had a 101 mile an hour single that got through the hole between short and third the other day i believe yeah i think um yeah that's right um but um I think the hit tool just needs to continue to develop. He's probably a little bit nervous uh, playing at Bush in front of a relatively small home crowd, but still um, the first time in the major leagues is is always a bit of a challenge for a guy. Um, But the arm and the speed have been um, as advertised. Um, Those that you can't really, you can't really overhype those. Um, At some point, I I think um, in the next couple of weeks, uh, Mason Wynn's definitely going to break that uh, fastest throw record. He threw one like one of the one in, in the futures game. So I yeah. think the record right now is Ellie De La Cruz's 97, 97.9 mile per hour throw. I think Mason Wynn easily beats that. Just a matter of whether or not the national media will actually cover it. Yeah, dude, I hope so. I mean, to be fair, his futures game throw did get some coverage, which was nice because it was pretty cool. Um, but I'm going to be excited to watch Mason Wynn show off that arm. I think something that is underrated about him and was on display is his range. He didn't get that out, obviously. Um, but just the fact that he stopped that ball, I mean, that was deep in the hole, um, kind of threw from an awkward position and still put, you know, a ton of juice on it, almost got the out at first base. That would have been one of the better plays we've seen from any infielder all season. And I think that's really what Wynn brings to the table. And you look at a guy like Anthony Volpe, okay? Now, Volpe, like, he's got 17 home runs this year. That's pretty good. He's only hitting 220, though. 
or like 215, I think. And he's been worth 3.3 war this year. That's because Volpe's a really good defender. I think Wynn has the ceiling to be a much better defender than Volpe, um, just because of that range, that arm, the accuracy. So, I mean, you're looking at a guy that could very easily be worth three and a half to four wins a season um, just by being an average hitter with some of the best defense in the league. I do think Wynn's ceiling someday is a gold glove. So this is a guy that Cardinals fans should be really excited about. His debut is a huge deal for the team. Um, and also it's going to give us the chance to continue to evaluate more guys with an eye towards 2024. Uh, if you've been following the Cardinals, you've been following their farms at all, you know that Mason Wynn is the guy in 2024. He's going to be the starting shortstop every single day. Yeah, um, that's pretty much no other options uh, for the Cardinals yeah. shortstop there. You could stick Tommy Edmund there, but I, I'm not sure. Um, yeah. He's really a long-term uh, fit. I think he's he only has one year left on his deal, right? Like he's almost a free agent. Yeah, I believe that's correct. And I think, I mean, if the Cardinals are smart, I think they trade Tommy Edmund this offseason. I mean, I think if Wynn has to play himself into that a little bit if he um, – if the bat develops a little bit more at the, at the big yeah. league, I think they're a lot more comfortable trading Edmund uh, somewhere else or pitching. I think Edmund, sure. like we, we've been told that Edmonds uh, has a lot of value to um, other teams. And at some point, I think the White Sox uh, were like in play for like a cease trader. So I don't think that's going to happen anymore. But at, at some point, I think he was even worth uh, something like that. I would love to see that. I would love to see. Uh, other teams inquiring about Edmund because as much as I like Tommy, I just don't think he has a place on the Cardinals in 2024. Obviously of the options that we have, right? So the guys who could play second short and center field altogether, there's probably like six or seven guys who fit that bill between Edmund, Wynn, Donovan, Gorman, Carlson, and, um, Newbar, I think Edmund has the worst bat out of all of those guys. He has the most versatility. Sure, he's probably the only one that you can comfortably stick in center and at short and know that he's going to give you a solid defensive performance. He's not going to cost you a couple runs, although he still doesn't have the arm to play center field. Um, that's probably not the biggest deal in the world, but it should be noted. Lars Newbar is a better center fielder on the whole defensively. And so I just don't think Edmund has a spot. If Wynn's going to be your everyday guy, you're not going to platoon Edmund and Gorman. It's just not going to happen. And if Edmund sticks around, that's going to take a lot of opportunities away from Brendan Donovan, who made noticeable strides this year, um, was arguably a better hitter this year. He had a better contact profile. He didn't have as much luck, but he was still almost just as good on the surface too and hit a lot more home runs. So I think there's just not a spot for Tommy. As much as I love him, I would love to see them deal him and maybe an outfielder as well. But Tommy is probably one of the the most valuable pieces that'll go, and he might be the way to get a good pitcher, maybe a glass now or something like that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, speaking of pitching, uh, another guy that debuted uh, this week was Drew Rom. Uh, Rom was acquired by the Cardinals in the Flaherty deal, um, and he's been really, really good in AAA ERA. I think under one. Um, and yeah, point eight two across two starts. So a really small sample size, but still been pretty impressive. And he came up yesterday uh, to face the Pirates. I think Matthew Libertor just went on the IL um, with some sort of injury. Hopefully he'll be okay. Um, but Drew Rom was the next man up. And it wasn't great. Um, how many innings did he go? I think less than four innings. And Yeah, I think he just went four innings and gave up like four runs. Four earned runs. There were a couple unearned in the first that just weren't his fault at all. 
Yeah. Um, instead of with the Wayno star, as reported by uh, Josh Jacobs last week on last week's episode, uh, Casey Lawrence made his piggyback yesterday, and I think he he took the game the rest of the way through. He was actually pretty good until the last inning or so where he gave up a couple of runs, but I don't know. <laughs> Small sample size, I guess, because Casey Lawrence has never been really that good in his career. Yeah, I mean, for those of you that watched the post game, Al Roboski did kind of rip on Drew Rom just a little bit. And I understand where he's coming from. Like, the frustration is real with this team. Um, and, yeah, it's tough to see, like, Rom go out there in his first start. But it's not like the defense had his back. And it, it was honestly really confusing the way Marmol put the lineup card together again. I'm, I'm sick and tired of it. Why is Fermin getting the start at second base? He provides nothing to this roster. I have no idea why you'd start Fermin and take Palacios out. Either Ali is an absolute slave to splits and spreadsheets, or he's like knowingly making stupid decisions um, because it's just a ridiculous idea to start for me at second. I mean, and and if he's there for the defense, what the hell? He he made an error in the first inning and gave up two runs. And by the way, Josh Jacobs pointed this out on Twitter the other day. When the Cardinals score first, they are the equivalent of a 106-win team. They lose very few games when they score first. When the Cardinals don't score first, they are the equivalent of a 35-win team. So, I mean, that's really bad. There are very few teams that have ever been that bad in history. And so, obviously, you know, you can kind of say that, hey, that error in the first inning that allowed multiple runs to score did the Cardinals in, and it really did. After that, it was an uphill battle. And I will tell you, I have never in my life seen a team with less resilience than the 2023 St. Louis Cardinals. The moment one thing goes wrong, everything just, it's an avalanche. It's an avalanche of awfulness. And so, yeah, Fermin was the start of that yesterday. And so I'm a little bit upset about it, frankly. I just, I can't understand the lineups card. And and seriously, with Drew Rahm debuting, why wouldn't you have your best defensive alignment behind him? Palacios is obviously a good defensive outfielder. And I would really like Tommy Edmond, a gold glove caliber second baseman, to be at second when I have this new guy, but I, I digress. <laughs> yeah, I think some of these lineup choices aren't making a lot of sense. I mean, when it's a lost season, I guess you're going to run out some lineups that you're not very happy with. Taylor Motter, I think, entered the game yesterday at some point. It was really, really Yeah, because we were getting shellacked, and there's no reason to risk Arnado getting hurt. But that's like the eighth time this year or something, according to Derek Gould, that Motter has subbed in for Arnado. <laughs> that's horrible. Yeah, I, I mean... Just not not a great game overall, but I mean, Rom wasn't amazing. The offense didn't help him at all. Uh, yeah. The only run scored by via Kisner home run, which Kisner, by the way, has the second highest slugging percentage on on the Kiz. team, which Higher is than goalies, right? Yeah. So I think only Arnold has a higher slugging percentage this year, and he's I think one of ten Cardinals now that had ten that has ten home runs this year. That's pretty crazy coming into this season. So just want to appreciate Kisner a little bit. I know I uh, haven't been his biggest supporter, but he's been really, really good this year. Oh, captain, my captain, Andrew Kisner. That actually brings up a really interesting point that I didn't initially plan to talk about on here, but I want to ask you, sorry, we're going a bit off script, but what is Andrew Kisner's value right now? I mean, you look at the season he's had this year. He started more games than any of us anticipated due to Contreras not always being available and then having some issues um, with the front office. So Kisner's been in there a lot. Um, It seems that he's like kind of holding off Herrera with just how good he's been, not only defensively. I mean, Kisner is he's been praised at length 
by the coaching staff, by the pitching staff, by other players on the team as a good clubhouse guy, but also seems like he he handles the pitching staff well. That was something Molina was known for. He's a really good receiver. His framing metrics are pretty good. And now it looks like he can hit. His OPS is what, 790, I think. Like 809. 809 now. That that's verging on like elite catching material offensively. That's really good. Um, for a guy who has a couple of tools, he's got a decent hit tool. Um, his arm seems to be more reliable than Contreras's this year. So what is his value this winter? And do the Cardinals trade him, especially considering there's a few years of control left there? Yeah, this is uh, really interesting to me. I, I think if you tell Mo last offseason, Oi Kisner and Carrera have the capability of being um, a catcher, he doesn't go out and sign Contreras, who's a bad yeah. first catcher which is a little bit unfortunate because I like Contreras and yeah, I agree. a lot of money into that. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I think one of Kisner or Herrera has to go this offseason. Maybe Contreras gets traded. That'd be crazy. Uh, probably not. But yeah. um, I think one of Kisner or Herrera has to go. Probably Kisner um, because he has less control left in Herrera. I think that the organization value him, values him a lot more than maybe other teams would. It, it's going to suck to see him go. Like It's not going to be fun like kisner slowly become one of my more favorite players on this team um yeah i think you i i don't think kisner is a is going to be a career 809 ops guy for the rest of the way forward so you might want to capitalize on some of that value while you can mm. flip him to a team that is in need of a starting catcher and he can he can go there he's probably not going to hit as well because he never really has been that in his career and still a relatively small sample size for this year um, but I think um, you can you can probably get quite a bit of value for him right now. Yeah, I mean, I think something we have to understand, too, is Kisner actually was a really good hitter all the way through the minor leagues. Kisner routinely hit near 300 in the minors, um, had a really, really good contact profile. And so it was surprising when he came to the majors and all of a sudden forgot how to hit. So the question is, is he rediscovering his form? Has he found his confidence? I mean, if you've heard him in any of his post-game interviews, like, you know, yesterday they were interviewing him because he was the only guy that did anything good offensively. And, you know, Kisner was talking all about how his mindset's so positive, how he's just having so much fun this year, um, how he's just happier as a player. And all of those things could be contributing to him actually making real changes moving forward and being a good hitter. I could really see, um, you know, a scenario in which next year Andrew Kisner is a starting catcher caliber hitter. Um, maybe he's not going to have an 809 OPS. That's really, really high. But maybe he's a 750 OPS guy moving forward with a full season worth of at-bats. And that's a really valuable player in today's game. So I do think Andrew Kisner has legitimate value, especially for a team like maybe the Guardians, who came into the season, uh, I believe, with Mike Zanino. Cut ties with him because he was so awful. And they're really looking for a catcher right now. So, yeah, I think I would like to see Andrew Kisner moved. I also just... He seems like such a great guy, so beloved in the clubhouse. Like I said, handles the pitching staff, gets a lot of adulation. I'd like to see him get the starting role somewhere. You know, I mean, he's probably never going to be a starter in St. Louis. Herrera just has too high a ceiling to complete a profile. And, you know, the Cardinals have too many good catchers in the minors, a lot of whom have higher ceilings than uh, Kisner, such as, you know, Crooks or uh, Bernal, any of those guys. And so, yeah, I would really like to see Kisner traded. And I think... You know, it's it's just surprising because you look at where where Kisner was in spring training, right? I mean, when we had Katie Wu on here, we were talking about how he was battling it out with Trace Barrera 
because he was so bad in spring training because he was so bad in 2022. Um, and to see him completely break out, he's just a new player this year. Um, very exciting stuff. I guess I just didn't have Andrew Kisner as one of our best hitters on my 2023 bingo card. Yeah. I mean, we're talking about silver slugger, Andrew Kisner last year. Um, maybe it, it, there's like manifest a that. silver slugger or something. I don't know. Um, yeah. but one thing to note that his power numbers are severely uh, like inflated. I don't think those power numbers are going to stay. He is a four. Yeah. He's slugging 497 right now. He's never slugged that ever in his entire minor league career. The closest he got to that was 492 in rookie ball in 2016. So I, I don't really think those numbers are really going to last um, in terms of that. Maybe he he did. Maybe he's been hitting the weight room or something and he's gone. <laughs> he's built and up. It looks good. I guess, but um, not really sure those power numbers are going to stay. And I think those 10 home runs in 52 games definitely inflate that a little bit. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, But I mean, look, if Andrew Kisner could keep hitting home runs, like I'm not going to complain. This is this is easily the most power we've ever seen out of him as a major leaguer. And I mean, you just said that with slugging percentage, Um, but just in terms of, you know, how many home runs he'd be on roughly 30 homer pace right now, which like Andrew Kisner is never going to hit 30 home runs, but Andrew Kisner could have turned into a 20 homer hitter, which like, that's a very similar profile to Rogers uh, up in Detroit, who people really, really like as the starting catcher there in the future, by the way, quick shout out to Carson Kelly, Andrew Kisner's, um, you know, co-prospect in the Cardinal system. The Tigers just picked him up after being DFA'd by the D-backs. So that's pretty fun. Uh, all of you immaculate grid players, that'll be a really good one in the future for Cardinals Tigers. Um, speaking of immaculate grid, I think we're just going to give it a play today. Um, it's something that, you know, we all like to do individually and we wanted to uh, kind of show you guys how we go about playing it uh, on a show. And then after that, we're going to check back in for a little bit more prospect chatter. Um, and then also we want to talk about the state of the 40 man roster, um, but coming up real quick, a quick intermission uh, to play a bit of immaculate grid. All right. So I guess we're just going to start in the top left corner here. I mean, the obvious one would be Jose Abreu, um, but I feel like we got to do something better than that. I mean, you're trying to pick a Cardinal uh, for everyone, but I mean, I know I, I always like to try to get a Cardinal legend in every square. I know I can get a couple Cardinal legends, right? For Angels 40 plus homer season, I can't I can think of like maybe four guys who've done it and one of them's a Cardinal. I think Bull hosted it in 2014. I don't know if he, I, Jim Edmonds might have done it for the Angels. No, I don't think so. And we have future Cardinal Shohei Otani, but um... I think he only did it for the Cardinals. I know that um Mike Trout, Shohei Otani, Troy Klaus did it. And Albert Pujols. Let's let's put Albert in there. Let's do Albert. Eleven percent. Okay. Okay. I mean, Mark McGuire hit yeah. forty homers and five hundred career. I mean, I think those are the only two Cardinals to have five hundred career home runs. I don't think anybody else that I can think of in because I know Musial got close, but he had like four seventy five. Uh, for Angels, White Sox, give me Tapera, right? Worst Cardinal maybe ever. Wait, no, no, I, I got a, I got a better one. I got Jose Quintana. Oh, big Q. That's my guy. You got to use him. Big Q. Wait, so nice. 
I mean, like Mancini is the obvious Orioles Astros, but like that's that's way too easy. Oh, give me Colby Rasmus. Give me Colby Rasmus. He was an Oriole, right? Yeah. Yes. One. I feel like I use him. I use him in a lot of immaculate grades. He's yeah, kind of. I use Quintana all the time. So like like Mark Trumbo was an Angel and an Oriole, but that's kind of easy, and also it's not a Cardinal. I think Edwin Jackson might be um, an Angel Oriole. Was he an Was he an Oriole? I think so. Edwin Jackson works for everything, though. So, yeah, he might have been. Let's do. I, I know there's no there's no more Cardinal 500 uh, home run hitters, so let's just fill those in. Um, for the White Sox, Frank Thomas definitely did it. Yeah, these like milestone ones are always tough to get rarity scores on. Yeah, I mean, there's 61%. just 61%. There's probably like two other guys that did it. Um, who did it for the Orioles? Cal Ripken Jr. I don't think did. I don't think he did either. Did mm. it could be a 500 home run hitter who just like went to the Orioles for a year. I think Frank Robinson played for the Orioles for at least a couple seasons. Did he hit 500 career home runs though? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure he did. I, I would run Frank Robinson here. Okay. Yes. Oh, nice, nice. Because there's only like there's only like 25 people that have hit 500 homers. Was Wade, uh, was Wade LeBlanc an angel? He, he might. Feels, he feels like such an angel. He might have been. That actually would be wild. Um, was okay. I know Magner Sierra has played for the Angels. Did he ever play for the Orioles for a bit? No, he was on the Marlins. Dude, honestly, like you could run Wade LeBlanc. That'd be crazy. I'm pretty sure he was an angel, like kind of early in his career for like one or two years, but I, I can't be sure. Let's just do it. I mean, I, uh, why not? I know like Dylan Bundy works for that, but. Oh, Dylan Bundy's a good one too. Oh, oh, no way. oh, we might be the only person to pick that today. That's awesome. 0.07%. That's I see on there is a Mariner. I don't That's know. Cursed. Um, Astro. Oh, Lance Berkman hit 40 homers as an Astro Cardinal mm-hmm. legend. Oh, nice. yes. Oh, way too many people picked Berkman. Cause I know Bregman did it too. He only did it once and no other current Astro or like recent Astros done it. I think who you weren't on Alvarez. No, I don't think so. I think he got really close, but he hasn't been healthy. Trying to think because, um, uh, shoot, Correa didn't, Altuve didn't, Bregman did in like 2019 when he almost won MVP, and then uh, Bagwell did it, Berkman did it, and somebody else did. All right, one more who played for both these squads and also played for the Cardinals. I always think Joe Kelly when I see the Astros, but I know he was never there. Yeah, Joe Kelly didn't play for the Astros as far as I know. He was a White Sox, though. Yeah. I mean, does Edwin Jackson work for these guys? I don't think Edwin Jackson was ever in Houston. I know he was on the White Sox because his immaculate grid picture is always in the White Sox hat. Yeah, he was definitely a White Sox. I don't think he was in Houston, though. 
Wow, this is so tough. Too bad we never had like Fernando Rodney or um, what's the other guy, Jesse Chavez. Oh, dude, that would be really nice. And the Cardinals have never had Dick Mountain. So, yeah. For those of you who don't know that, that would be Rich Hill. Oh, my gosh. I, I can't think of anybody. Did I mean, I know Grandal wasn't a Cardinal. Was he ever an Astro? I don't think so. It was just a Dodger. Uh, was Maldonado a White Sox at some point? Yeah, I think he was. Maybe he wasn't. He was an angel. Yeah. Fever dream. <laughs> I feel like he started his career in the Central. Maybe I think he was with the Brewers early on when they were kind of decent. Hmm. But yeah, I, I don't know. We might just have to run like a really basic one, like Jose Abreu. There's got to be something better than that, at least. Was Will Smith ever a White Sox? I don't think. Oh, Graveman, I think, is the guy. Oh, Graveman is good, but I don't think Graveman was a Cardinal, right? No. Graveman's actually a really good one. Might be able to do that. Was who? Ryan Zapera. No, I don't think so. I mean, I uh, I, I doubt it. I think he was just a White Sox, um, a Cub. He started somewhere else, though. I don't think he started with the Cubs. Tapera has literally one of the worst Cardinal careers of all time. <laughs> I guess he's up for like two days. Wait, who has Taylor Motter played for? Not the I, – I know the list. It's not – I think either – I don't think either of those teams are on that list. It's like the Mariners, the Twins. Because that would be – The Reds, the Red Sox. That would be so funny. <clears throat> yeah. Dude, the, the Taylor Motter DFA tweet is going to go so hard. I mean, he's going to get sent to Memphis. No one's going to claim him. I know. It's going to be glorious. All right, I know we can do this. I know we can do this. Was Steve Ciszek ever? Did he play for either of those teams? He was a Mariner. A Nash, I know he was on the Cubs. A Marlin. <laughs> I mean, he might have been on the White Sox. I don't think he played for Houston, though. He was an angel. Yeah. Oh, he was a White Sox angel. That would have been a crazy pull. My favorite um, Houston Astros is, is always Dexter Fowler because everyone forgets he was there. Oh, yeah. I, I didn't even – I wouldn't have been able to tell you that, and, like, I've been told before. Okay, well, I mean, Aledmus Diaz never played for the White Sox, right? Mm -hmm. He's an A. And what about uh, – this is so brutal. Did Piscotty ever find his way to Houston? No, no, certainly not. He's never. He was only in the system of the White Sox. I think they let him go. Oh, he never even debuted for them. You're right. Come on. I'm not sure there there is one that I can. I mean, there there certainly is, but like I don't know. If... There's got to be somebody. I don't think we're going to be able to get it though. Yeah. I mean, Wade LeBlanc. Oh no, we already used Wade LeBlanc. Um, Matt Weeters <laughs> was an Oriole. But not either of those. I don't know. Let's just pick somebody else. Pick like Graveman or whatever. We can yeah, look at the summary. Maybe like 10%. I don't know. Oh. Yeah. For those of you following along at home, I hope you guys come up with someone better than we did. Well, I guess we're going to just kind of go back and do a little bit more 
for prospect chatter here. Thanks for following along with us um, for a little break in the show. Um, one more thing I really wanted to talk about, wanted to address is the fact that a lot of people are upset that Drew Rom got the debut uh, instead of another pitcher who might be a bit more exciting, like Graceffo or McGreevy um, or even, you know, Klofenstein. And the reason behind that, uh, I explained it in an article I wrote over at um, Redbird Rants, but the reason behind that is because Rom's on the 40-man roster. So I don't want to throw around that term without ever knowing what it means. I'm sure most of you guys understand it, but basically – you get two rosters in baseball, right? You have your active roster, also called the 26-man roster. Those are the players on the major league club at a given time. All 26 of those players have to be part of your 40-man roster. That's a larger pool of players. And, you know, obviously 26 of them are there. The other 14 can be scattered around on either the IL or down in your minor league system or on a taxi squad. Uh, and so the way that works, basically... um, if you have someone on your 40 man roster, you can call them up at any time, send them back down, provided they have options remaining, uh, which is way more complicated um, than it should be. But yeah, so Rom actually is on this roster, which means that giving him the chance to play doesn't mean you have to get rid of somebody else. If McGreevy or Graceffo or anybody else who's not on the 40 man roster, if they were to get a shot with the big league club in order to make that happen, the Cardinals would have to cut somebody, which right now wouldn't be a problem, right? It'd be really easy to cut Taylor Motter. We would all like to see that happen. The problem becomes in the off season, if they overhaul the roster significantly, meaning bringing in six to eight new players, which we'd all love to see them do. If that happens, there could be a crunch where all of a sudden you have to get rid of somebody you really want. So the Cardinals at this point are likely to maximize their roster flexibility by refusing to, you know, um, bring up new players. So I don't think they're going to give out a new 40-man spot for the rest of the year. I mean, there's a guy that has a lot of roster flexibility. Anyway. Um, you were waiting for that. You were yeah. ready. I mean, you said it, so. Yeah. <laughs> All right, and then we also just wanted to uh, do a little bit of prospect highlighting here. So one interesting thing that's happened is Sammy Hernandez, uh, the guy who came back in the Henesis Cabrera trade, really flew under the radar, a uh, really young teenage catcher, um, is now with the Palm Beach Cardinals. So he's made his way over to Affiliated Ball um, so we get to see some stuff on him. And on Sunday, I believe, um, he hit his third home run in a very limited sample size with Palm Beach, which is awesome to see. So he's showing some power early. This is really encouraging, especially because Cabby is tearing it up, up in Detroit or up in Toronto. Why would I say Detroit? Uh, I believe he has a zero ERA right now in like 13 innings. But hey, the guy we got back is looking promising. So that's really exciting. Uh, him and then also just wanted to highlight again how great Adam Klofenstein has been since coming over. We've done a lot of talking about Drew Rahm, um, but Klofenstein deserves a little bit more praise. He's been absolutely outstanding. Um, and he actually was not as well regarded as Reversa, who came over. Um, but Klofenstein has been the better pitcher so far. I do think the Cardinals rushed Reversa. Hopefully they will figure that out and move him back down to double A for the rest of the year. Final thing, Takoa Roby has been activated and will start in Springfield on Saturday. So that's a game worth watching. I'm probably going to take some time out of my weekend and watch um, at least all of his start. I would encourage our viewers to do the same. Um MLB TV, I think, is complimentary for the rest of the year now, at least for college students. And minor league games now come with that. So if you get the opportunity, go give Takoa Roby a watch. I'm sure plenty of accounts, including uh, Kyle Reese, will be jiffing his start and putting it all over Twitter um, because, yeah, it's going to be really, really exciting. So 
good things are happening in the Cardinals farm system right now. Uh, as much as bad things are happening on the major league roster, there are plenty of reasons to be excited for 2024. Also, Thomas Sejazi hit for the cycle last week. That was pretty cool, too. All right, everybody. Thank you for joining us. Um, you know, I, I really wish there was more positive news about the Major League Club, uh, but it's been a tough week, even by 2023 standards. We've just seen the Cardinals kind of get beat down the last couple nights. A um, couple debuts get spoiled, especially Roms. Um, but hey, you know, we're going to continue to watch this rotation. There have been some bright spots, obviously, like Kisner. Hudson's been a bright spot lately, and obviously Libby had his moment. Hopefully he will continue to do stuff like that, but he actually just hit the IL. So that really stinks. Um, but yeah, you know, enjoy the rest of the season because when the off season comes, you know, just like the rest of y'all, I'll be wishing that there was still baseball being played, even if the Cardinals aren't the most competitive team in the world. Um, but yeah, that's going to do it all for today. Uh, you know, get excited for Takoa Roby's debut. Thanks everybody.